Northside family, good to worship with you today. And can we just thank God one more time for just an incredible time of worship. Want to welcome everybody online as well. You know, if you're like me and you can't sing, that's why I sit over here so nobody can hear me. And, uh, but there's just something, even if you don't sing, but when we hear the words, when we focus on the words, it reminds our hearts and our souls about why we are here, the purpose of life and the joy of life. And that's why we're doing this series and we're wrapping up this series called Running on Full. And today you might've come in, life feels on empty, or maybe you're like me, I'm running on full. And that's why I went to my closet and grabbed the baggiest shirt I had. And uh, coming off this week, you know, we had two Thanksgivings and I'm like, oh boy, I'm not going to fit in a lot of my clothes. And, you know, I don't know where you are in life today, if you're a believer or not, but this is what you need to know is that Jesus has come and he said this, I've come to give you life. And then he says this in John 10, 10, and life to the full. Life as the world cannot give you. I've come to give you that life. I've come to give you and restore life to you. And this is why we sing. This is why we're joyful, even in the hardship of life, even when we're going through sicknesses in life, prayed with a number of different people. There's some uh, anniversaries coming up this week of people who have lost loved ones and the holidays hit. And man, life can feel empty sometimes. But the goodness of Jesus is, he's not asking us to forget those moments. What he's saying is, I want you to remember me in these moments so that in the midst of the pain and the hardship, you can have life and life that the world doesn't offer. And today, what we're going to be talking about this is the idea of living full of peace in an anxious world. A lot of times what, what steals our peace or what steals life to the full is our anxiousness and our anxiety that creeps up. And we're gonna to begin to talk about this and actually scripture says a lot about this. We know this is a very common thing for people today. Uh, there's a lot of this going on and, and actually the scripture and the hope of Jesus speaks right into our anxious moments and our thoughts. And uh, it was a reminder this week about just God's faithfulness. I, I love Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, it says this. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, that God has more in store for us than what we could ever dream of for ourselves. This is why we follow him. One of the things I just want to celebrate before we dive in today on the sermon is, uh, you know, I told you last week about what God was doing in the life of our Guatemala trip coming up in October. And uh, we had a number of airline miles. If you weren't here last weekend, we talked about this. We had a number of airline miles, our church we didn't know about. So we put it towards our churchwide mission trip and said for two weeks, uh, if you sign up for that trip, instead of being $1,300, it's $700. And we're going, well, that'd be cool. And, and, and when Doug approached me, our outreach pastor about that, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure anybody's gonna sign up right now, Doug, but that's cool. I was dead wrong. And uh, turns out God wants to do way more. And we started celebrating that. And uh, we are now officially full. In 11 days, you guys broke the system. We have 375 people signed up. You broke the system, we gotta turn it into two weeks now in October and all this other stuff's going on. And it was kinda like God was just winking at us like, oh, you wanna talk about full. I have a plan for full. And see, this is God's plan, that he has called all of us back to himself. And then not just us, he's saying, I'm sending you into the world to introduce the world to my goodness. We have a world that does not have peace, that does not have a full life. And Jesus says, I've come to give them life. And as the church, this is our mission. This is what we get to bring to the world. Some of us, we feel like that. We go, I, I got nothing to offer the world. If you know Jesus, trust me, you have something to offer the world. 
And God is saying, I want to work through broken people. This is why this whole Christmas season, even for non-believers, there's something about this season where we slow down and we reflect. The whole world slows down on December 25th. It shuts down all across the world. This whole season is known as Advent as well. It's this whole celebrating and anticipating the arrival of Jesus, that peace was coming in the world. And actually, Isaiah talked about this peace that was coming in the world that the world desperately needed, that you and I desperately need in my life. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is 700 years before Jesus showed up. He says this, that the prophet Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The world, 700 years before Jesus even showed up, was desperate for peace. They had no peace. And they're going, God, we need peace. Maybe for you today, you can feel the same as what those desperate hearts were. And what's great about it is this, when Jesus showed up, the angels went to the shepherds and they just sang to them and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, when we read that passage, we go, well, sure, peace is probably for those other people over there. Peace isn't for me. The good news of Jesus is this, that when the angels went and told the shepherds, they were the least of all mankind. They weren't allowed in worship services because they were out with the animals, so they were considered dirty and unclean, and so they never got to come in. And the first people that the angels go and tell good news of the peace of Jesus are to the least of these. See, this is why our peace in Jesus is so good. It's not just for some people, it's for all people. Well, how do we experience this peace today? I mean, we know we need it, Even if you are today watching online or here and you're going, I I might not believe in Jesus, but I know I need peace. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for something to resolve the problems in our life. That's what we're going to find today. Jesus even tells his disciples right before he goes to the cross in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he wants to remind them about the peace that he gives them. He says this, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus wants to be very clear with you today. I've come to give you peace in your life. And in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I think we all acknowledge we want peace in our life. The problem is the problems, right? We know we want peace. There's just things that come up and they get in the way of our peace. They stop us from having the peace that we idealized. I know this week, uh, we traveled a little bit for my family, went up to Indianapolis on Friday to go see my wife's side of the family. It was a great time. We mixed it up and we did lasagna and garlic bread and I ate too much there as well, right? And you know, it was one of those things, it was good. We're looking forward to it. We have all these plans. It's gonna be a peaceful week. It's great. And then this showed up Tuesday afternoon on the minivan. The old check engine light, right? You know, we have these plans and we have all these desires. Everything's gonna be great. And then the check engine light. So I do what every smart husband does. I took it to AutoZone and said, what's wrong with my car, right? And, and I went there, thank the Lord for AutoZone. They have machines, they plug in when your dashboard lights come on and they can tell you what's going on. And then this is what the guy said. He goes, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, uh, your variable valve timing actuator. I didn't even know a minivan had one of those, man. He could have told me it was the flux capacitator, right? And I'm like, man, we better call Doc Brown, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, the old uh, 
The old timing actuator, huh? So I called my mechanic. Yeah, uh, you know, my, my, my check engine light came on and uh, the variable valve timing actuator. And then he goes, which one? <laughs> I thought there was only one. I was like, all of them, all of them, right? That, he go, and then this is what he said. He goes, I don't know how to fix it until we get in to the car. And I wonder if today there's a lot of dashboard lights that are going off in our life. Going, I don't have peace here, and I don't have peace here, and I know there's a problem. I don't know what to do with that. And today Jesus is saying this, I know there's problems in our life. That's why he reminds the disciples, in this world, you're going to have problems. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. And how do we take heart today when the dashboard lights in our heart and our minds and our life are just blinking like crazy? How do we really get into the root issue today? See, this is why we've been walking through Philippians chapter 4, because they're wondering and worrying about the peace of their life amidst the problems that they have. Paul, the pastor of the church, is in prison in Rome for his faith, and they know he's probably going to die for his faith, and he's never going to get out, and that is causing problems, that's causing anxiousness in the church, and what we've been looking at is in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is going, you know what, I want to write to help you have peace amidst the problems, and listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4, 6, sometimes we know there's problems, but we don't know how to get peace. He says this to the church. He says it to us today. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, immediately we hear that, we go, well, I guess I'm a failure, right? Because I'm anxious about a lot of things. But Paul wrote, don't be anxious about anything. You know why he said that? Because they're anxious. The church was anxious. Today, you and I were anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Then he says this, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says this, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's calling us and he's calling the church here to pause and go, okay, we know exterior wise we're anxious Lights are flashing. We don't have peace. What do we do about it? And what Paul is pointing out today, and if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. What he's reminding us is this, is that the peace of Christ isn't the absence of problems. Sometimes we're thinking about that, that peace will come once this person is out of our life. You ever turn out they show up in your dreams and your thoughts 20 years later? Right? They may have moved to another state, but it's like, man, they are walking right here with you. And what he's saying is this, peace isn't the absence of problems, but it is the power of God's presence in our life. See, a lot of times we're waiting for peace to come when our problems go away. And Jesus says that's not what peace is. Peace is his power and his presence in our life in the middle of our problems. This is why Paul opens and he says, don't be anxious about anything. Here's the good news for you and I today. If you're anxious here today, you know what Paul's saying? You're normal. You're normal. For some of us, myself included, when I'm anxious about stuff, when I'm worried about stuff, uh, my daughter, she has a cheer competition this morning. She's on the, the, the cheer team. 
Every half an hour last night, she kept coming out of her room till about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. She was just amped up about this morning. She's anxious, anxious about this. We had to watch all the cheer routines. I did it for her just so she knew how to do it. And uh, no, 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 right? It really hurt her chances there. But what was happening is this. This is what we saw in her. She's anxious. She's thinking about it. Here's the deal for you and I. Being anxious is normal. But what do we do with this? Because what happens is this, if we don't pay attention to it, it begins to run away with our thoughts. Here's the difference between being anxious and being afraid. With fear, you see a problem, and then this is what you do. It's fight or flight, right? You see a problem, and either you engage it or you run away from the problem. Here's the difference with being anxious. When you're anxious about something, all you do is imagine the worst case scenario, and then it just lingers. And it lingers. And there's no fight or flight. It just sticks with you. For some of you, you're nearing retirement, and this is what's lingering in your mind right now. Do we have enough to retire? And every day you wake up going to work. You're going to work, but you're wondering, is the future going to work out? For some of you, you're 15, and you want to be in a relationship, and you're going, if nobody's going to date me now, I'll probably never get married. I'll probably never be a parent. Ah! And we're like, hey, just focus on algebra right now. Let's narrow it down. But this is what anxiousness does. We imagine the worst-case scenario. We do this stuff. As a pastor, one of my friends do this. I don't know why he planted this thought. He's like, oh, you're a pastor. He goes, how many kids you got? I go, I got three kids. He goes, uh, you worried that like they'll get in the paper when they grow up in the future and everybody will think you're a bad pastor? And I'm like, not till now. Well, thanks, my man. Like now I'm worried about that, right? And what all he's doing is this. We, we, this is what happens when our anxious thoughts come in. We begin to think about it and we ruminate on it. I did some research about this. The number one issue in a bunch of surveys that I saw was this. The number one issue that women face today, anxiety. It's the number one issue. Number two issue for men is anxiety. The number one issue for men that they face and they, they deal with more than anxiety is alcohol and drugs. And could it be the reason why that's number one is because we don't know how to deal with our anxiety. Pew Research interviewed thousands of teenagers and this was the number one issue for teenagers today. 70% agreed that said, hey, here's the number one issue in my life. Teenagers. Their number one issue is this, anxiety and depression. The leading country in the world that deals with anxiety is Switzerland. No, it's not. It's us. You're like, really? I thought they were all neutral and lay back. No. No, the number one country that deals with anxiety and anxiousness is the United States of America. And let's just, these are just some things I just want to draw our attention to. How is it that the most lucrative, richest, most technologically advanced country in the history of the entire world has more anxiety than any other country? Just a few, I think just observations quickly are this. I think when you try hard as a country to take God out of your country, here's the problem. When you take God out of the picture, you have to be God. 
You have to create your future. You have to create your identity. You have to prove yourself. You have to make your peace. You have to be in control. Some of you are getting anxiety right now, just thinking about all that. And this is what happens when we take God out of the picture. We have to provide everything. We have to, you know, power through. We have to go through. We have to be obedient to all of our feelings and desires. And ah, and what happens is it creates all of this anxiousness and anxiety in us. And you and I were never made to be God. And what happens is we got to align our lives back to the way that God created us. And this is what Jesus came to do. Now, real quickly, I just want to say this statement. I have a number of friends. I have a number of pastor friends that go to doctors because they deal with anxiety, clinical anxiety. They're on medication for it. And I just want to say very clearly, if that's you, you do not need to feel guilty or ashamed of that. You don't need to feel that way at all. There are issues and there are things that everybody deals with. Some people, some of my pastor friends who deal with this, I mean, it's clinical and it's a lot and they need great counselors and they need great doctors and they need great medication and those are all gifts from God because sometimes this is what happens. This can be a wrong misconception that you'll hear pastors say stuff like this. Oh, you're dealing with anxious thought or anxiety? Well, just pray about it. And you're like, oh, like I haven't thought about that, right? Like that's the message today. This is what I woke up for. Pray about it. Great. Thank you. Should have stayed home and watched online, right? No, that's not the message. The message here is this, is that peace isn't the absence of our problems. Sometimes that's what we're waiting on. We're waiting for all these problems to go away. We're waiting for life to get good. And then when it gets good, it gets good for like a week. And then another thing shows up. And what Paul is saying here is this, no, peace isn't the absence of our problems, it's the power of God's presence. The question for you and I today is this, do you know the presence of God in your life? See, this is where our power comes from. This is where our peace comes from. Peace doesn't come from our accomplishments. Peace comes from the accomplishment of Jesus on the cross that changes everything, that frees us from our sins, that frees us from our thoughts, that we're reminded that in Christ we are sons and daughters of the King, that we are made new, that we are set free, that God has new plans and purposes for us, but that's only found in Christ, not when your problems go away. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says this, An anxious heart weighs a man down. See, anxiety is nothing new for us today. It's nothing new. Anxiety came about in the garden when sin came in. Fear of God, fear of things are gonna work out. This is why it said Adam now had to do his work by the sweat of his brow. And it wasn't that he was gonna have to do hard labor, he was already doing physical labor. Now what Adam needed to worry about is this. Adam, you're gonna plant food in the ground and seed, and guess what, it may not come up. Some of you, you have worked harder than ever before in your life in the last two years only to feel like you've seen no return. And that creates an anxiousness, an anxiety in us. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. See, this is the power of us getting to be the church together, that we get to speak the kind word of Jesus to one another to encourage each other. Literally, Tuesday morning, I was working on the sermon, and I'm reading over this, and my buddy just texts me, he goes, church here, great friend of mine. And, and he said this, just out of, out of random, haven't talked to him for a while, he just texted me this. He said, praying for you today. 
praying for you to have the boldness to preach the things God reveals to you, love you, and I'm standing with you. Man, I was fired up after that text. I'm like, let's, let's preach Tuesday at noon, right? We're going we're gonna to go right now. And there was something that happened. And what was happening was this. I was realizing I was getting anxious, talking about being anxious. And then somebody just came in and just spoke into my life and reminded me, Nate, you're not alone in your anxiousness. You're not alone in your fears. You're not alone in this. Nate, it's not about you making peace. Jesus made peace. Jesus is the one who's holding this together. Max Lucado has a book called Anxious for Nothing that's over this passage here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And this is what he says in his book. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. You and I are going to deal with this. The dashboard lights are going to go off in our life in every season of our life. The question is, where is our peace going to come from when there's problems? See, this is the good news of Jesus. And this is why Paul says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And then he quickly goes this and he says this, but in everything, in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He goes, when those lights come up and they start flashing in your heart and your mind and the anxiety kicks in and the anxiousness comes in, he goes, hey, draw this back to prayer. And here's why. Because prayer opens us up to the power of God and his peace. That's why prayer is so meaningful. Prayer isn't so that God will maybe love you or God will maybe listen to you. He's your heavenly father. He already loves you and he listens to you even if you're not willing to talk with him. He walks with you. What prayer does is this. It begins to go, okay, God, I'm overwhelmed by this, and I need you. I need you. Jesus did this. In Matthew 26, on his last night as he's going to the cross, he gets overwhelmed. He gets full of anxiousness. Sometimes we feel like Jesus was never anxious, and he's Jesus, and I'm me. No, no, no. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man, which means this. He was fully exposed to every emotion you and I feel. Matthew chapter 26, listen what he says. He gets his disciples together. He knows he's about ready to be betrayed. He knows he's about ready to go die on the cross. And then he tells them in verse 38, he said to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is very in tune with his emotions. I feel overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then it says this, going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You know what powered Jesus to go to the cross? Prayer. Prayer, just simply going, okay, God, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. I can't handle this. Help me. Help me. This is what Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4. He doesn't just say pray about it. What he says is this. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What he's saying is this. He's inviting you and I to not just tell God, God, I'm anxious. Okay, good. What are you anxious about? See, this is where our prayers get more personal. Paul says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here's what he's saying. That you and I, 
experience the peace in God when we really reveal what's going on in our hearts and our lives. It's one thing to ask God for help. It's another thing to tell God why you need his help. I remember a couple years ago, it was probably like 10 years ago, when I was, uh, I was a pastor. And it's one thing to be a pastor and help people. It's another thing to be a pastor and lead a team. For some of you who lead teams or you're a teacher and you lead, you know, you herd cats and first graders around and all this other stuff. You know, you got a whole different thing going on and, and, and there's leadership involved. And I remember the first time I was not just a pastor, but I had to lead a team of people. I had to make some hires and I couldn't hire anybody. And I was going, man, what is going on? And I was praying about it. God, bring the right people. And I remember I called one of my friends. I was trying to, I'm like, man, you're going to love it here in New Albany. And his first question was, where's that? You know, and I'm like, don't worry about that, man. You're just going to love it. You just need to take the job. You need to come here. It would be great to do ministry together. And he's like, well, tell me more about that area. I'm like, well, we got these knobs. And he's like, what's a knob? I don't know, man. Just, just come here to the area, right? And, and I'm just telling him, I'm trying to convince him, you're going to love it. Just, just come here and, and all this other stuff. And then he, then he asked this question. He goes, man, the role sounds cool. Man, it sounds like God's doing some great things. And then he asked this question. He just goes, how are you doing? Just stop for a second. And it just came out of me. I wasn't even aware of the anxious thoughts and feelings I had in my heart and my mind. He said, how are you doing? I just, I'd never thought of it. I just said it. I just feel like I'm losing. I feel like I'm losing. It's my first leadership job. I can't hire the people that we need to hire. <laughs> I'm wondering, God, where are you at? And why haven't you brought the people? And really what was going on is this. I was afraid to look like a failure to other people. And what my father wanted to know in that moment is this. Nate, it's not just will you ask for God to bring the right people to my church. What he was saying is this. Nate, will you actually be real with me with what's going on under the hood? I wanted great staff members. But, but the real issue was the deeper way in the problem I was thinking. That I, I couldn't have peace. Not only could I not have peace, I needed to make my own peace. I needed to create this. I needed to hire this. And when it wasn't happening, I didn't have peace. And what God revealed in that moment was this, Nate, we got some deeper issues of anxiousness to deal with. And that changed my prayer life. It changed the way I began to ask for things. The more I've read and looked at the life of Jesus, what I've realized is this. The life of Jesus isn't just about connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. That is the mission of Jesus, to go and make disciples of all nations. That is the mission. But what I've realized more and more about the life of Jesus is this. The movement of Jesus always comes out of prayer and fasting. You see it here in his very last night. Three times he gets away and he prays about what's going on in his heart and in his life. For some of us here today, the reason why we don't have peace, it's not because God doesn't love you, and it's not maybe even because you don't love God. But there's some things internally that you've got to get real with, with him. How you view your life, how you view your peace, and it only comes through him. This is why Paul says this, prayer and petition, and then he says this, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Before we make a request to God, this is what he said. Hey, remember that Jesus made peace for you. 
God, this is what I'm going through. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how this is going to work out. But God, you're my peace. And since you're my peace, here's my request. God, here is what I have going on in my heart and life. See, this changes the way you and I pray. We pray with this peace in mind. This is what I've found out. The more I've studied this passage is this, is that the peace of God actually fights for us. That the peace of God, sometimes we're trying to fight, we're trying to make peace, we're trying to hold peace together, we're trying to create our life, we're trying to do all this other stuff. And what we've missed is that the peace of Jesus is the one who's fought for us. It fought to save us from our past. It fights to be with us in the present and it leads us into the future. This is why he says this. And when you open your life up and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word transcends literally means this, it breaks through. That Jesus came to break through our sin. He came to break through all the false idols that we build our life on that have let us down. He's come to break through all the problems that we begin to carry in our life. His peace transcends. I know for some people, Several in our Northside family, they're even, either they're going through a medical condition or they have several family members who are going through it and they're going, how do I have peace? And it's this, we allow the peace of Christ to transcend our problem. But the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus gets the final word on every situation and what happens is it breaks through. What it does is this, it gives you and I permission to tell Jesus this, Jesus, I love you, but I got nothing in the tank today. Jesus, I'm tapped out. I got nothing. And Jesus goes, good. Because I want to break through the emptiness. I've come to fill your life. I've come to give you my presence and my power. And then he says this, and he guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that word guard is actually a military word. That the peace of Christ guards your hearts and minds because you and I, we're in a spiritual fight. Satan wants you to be overwhelmed. He wants you to think thoughts that you don't have a future, that your mistakes define you. I love, I don't know who it's original to, but it says this, that Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. And Jesus knows your sin and he calls you by your name. See, this is a different way to follow Jesus he knows the brokenness of you and I, and he says this, I want my peace to guard your heart and your mind. For some of you today, you just feel overwhelmed because of whatever situation is going on in your life. This is my encouragement for you today. Whatever situation it is, go to Google. I know, real spiritual, right? This is what I want you to do. Go to Google, whatever situation you're, you're in. Maybe you go, I, I need to forgive myself. Maybe I need to forgive other people. Maybe you're, you're dealing with body issues and there's self-esteem issues going on or you're afraid of the future, whatever it issue is, go to Google, type in that issue, and then just simply write the words after, Bible verse. Forgiveness, Bible verse. Self-esteem, Bible verse. Grief, Bible verse. And what you'll find is this, the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind. You were never made to make peace on this world. We can't make peace, but one can. See, this is why Jesus came. This is why Christmas this whole season is about waiting for his arrival, coming into our world, meeting us where we are. But here's how peace comes in. You ready? We gotta drop our guard. 
before God. That's how peace comes in. This is a total different way of peace. Sometimes we feel like we've got to own it. We've got to make it. We've got to gather it all together. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. How peace comes in is this. We receive the peace of God. We don't achieve the peace of God. We drop our guard. This week, had to drop my guard and call the mechanic. Didn't want to. Didn't like it. But I knew if we were going to fix our van, I had to call and get help. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, he's one of those guys who is always uh, overpromised and underdelivered, right? Bigger bark than his bite. And the problem was this, he was always trying to control everything. And finally, 20 years later, this is what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says this to the church, he says it to you and I today. He says, cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you cares for you. Today, for some of you, you haven't cast your anxiety on God because you felt like it was only up to you to carry. And you had to carry it. And you had to be strong enough. And it is weighing you down. Peter just says this, drop your guard before God. Drop your anxiety before him because he cares for you. He loves you. And he has peace in Jesus for you. Literally, that word cast, it means this, to just simply throw down. To throw down. In a couple weeks, December 11th and 12th, we're going to have a baptism weekend here. Our Christmas series is called Down to Earth. Jesus is a down-to-earth dude. We're going to look at how he walked among people and he met people right where, he is, right where they are. And he offers them life and healing. And I want to invite you that weekend, if you've not been baptized, if you've not dropped your guard before Jesus to say, Jesus, you are my peace. What you did on the cross sets me free, not just from my sin, but you are my king and I'm following you forever. And I'm bringing my anxiety. I'm bringing my anxious thoughts to you. That is what it is all about, that we have been made new in Christ. Not that we won't have problems, but we keep going, God, I am going after you. I am dropping my guard before you. That's what baptism is. God, make me new and I rise to walk a new life in your love and grace and mercy. I love what Rich Velada says. He's one of my favorite pastors in New York City. He says this about this holiday season. He said, the good news of Advent, this Christmas season, is not that we are faithful in our waiting, but that God is faithful in his coming to us. See, the good news of the season is this. God's saying, I'm not waiting for you to hold your life together. I'm not waiting for you to make peace with everything. Matter of fact, you want to make peace with some people. The problem is they don't want to make peace with us. And you're going, God, how do I have peace when they don't want to have peace? He goes, you let my peace be your life. You let my peace save you and make you new. Here in a moment, we're going to take the bread and the juice. Hopefully you grab some of that on the way in. Or if you're online, we'll invite you to grab some bread and juice. And we take this. And when we take this, what we're saying is this. We're declaring, God, not just that I'm a simple person, but God, here's what I'm anxious about. And I declare you are my peace. You will be the one who will power me through what you've done on the cross. 
wasn't just for my past, it was also for my future. You are my peace, you have made it. And when we take the bread and the juice, what we're declaring is this, Jesus, you are my peace. That is your job. And I just simply receive it today. I remind myself with thanksgiving, I offer my prayers to you. In a moment, we're gonna take that together and then we're gonna sing. Paul writes this in Colossians chapter one about the peace of God. Listen to what he says in verse 19 through 20. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, to reconcile everything broken in your life and everything broken in my life, the broken things that I've done to people, the broken things that people have done to me. And then he says this, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and here's how, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You and I, we're gonna have problems. But Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Right now, would you bow with me? Let me pray with us before we take communion and we sing. Father, I can't even imagine all the different thoughts that are going on right now in this room and online. Father, the places that we are anxious about. Father, oftentimes I've made the mistake where I see somebody and they look like everything is all together, but inside later on, God, they tell me that they have nothing together. And Father, I just pray right now for anybody, God, I'm asking that is carrying that it feels like they have to have it all together, that they have to carry the weight of everything, that they have to make sure everything goes right in their life. Father, I just pray by your grace and your mercy and your peace, Father, would you free them of that right now? Jesus, of this idea that we have to make something of ourselves. Jesus, would, would you free us of that lie and Jesus, would you make us into what you've come to redeem? Father, we can't drop our guard on our own. So Lord, we ask just right now in this moment as we take this bread and the juice, God, would we do that with humble hearts? Would we do that with grateful hearts? Would we really remember the very reason why we can give thanks this week? It's you, it's the cross. And so, Father, we just say thank you for coming to make peace in the midst of our problems. We love you, Lord, and we honor you right now for your goodness and love in our life and in this world. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. When you're ready, let's take communion right now, and then we'll sing.